0: Thank you, Mia. I think we have almost the same audience we had on Wednesday. So for most of you, you'll remember I started with Proverbs 3 on Wednesday, and we dealt with what it means to walk with God. We're going to go back to Proverbs 3 today, this evening, and we're going to deal with um, verses 13 through 35, In 2024, we we are unique and special in a lot of ways. We have instant access to information, or near instant, I should say, depending on where you live in Linden. Um, It might take several minutes out by my place, but you have an opportunity for information that is unparalleled in human history. Never before have we had this kind of opportunity, this access, abundance of information. We can get it from a click of a button or a simple Google search. Dr. Burke Parsons from Air Ministries, I don't know if anybody's familiar with him, he says, and I quote, never before in human history has there been such a complete lack of wisdom. In a time in which we can get all kinds of information, more information in a moment's notice than anybody else in history ever dreamed of. It's widely held in the Christian community that we lack wisdom on a level never seen before. Let's let that sink in for just a quick second. Those two things, it's no coincidence. Because we're coming across information so easily that we're not earning it, if that makes sense. We're not understanding it. We have instant access to information that we're not having to work for, we're not having to earn. In a matter of seconds, if you like, you can download or read Spurgeon's commentary on Proverbs 3. If you want to know how plastic's made and its components, you can get it in seconds. But what we're lacking is an understanding of that knowledge. What we're lacking, we're, we're getting all this information, but we're lacking the understanding of how it applies and how it interrelates with other things. It's very much a surface understanding. There's an old adage that I think everyone's familiar with. A little bit of information is a dangerous thing. And we unfortunately have a little bit of information on a lot of things. Dr. Parsons went on to say, And I quote, we gain knowledge so that we might process and interpret it based on our values, principles, and beliefs. End quote. This information that we're getting in in droves, that's made readily available to us, we then have to take it and filter it through our value system, through our beliefs. And then additionally, to gain true wisdom, Step one is you have to recognize the fact that you need it. You have to be humble enough to know that it's necessary, needed, and that you don't possess it. Discernment is the ability to choose right from wrong or right from near right. We need that as well. And you can't get that on a Google search, by the way. Because when you Google search something, you're going to get four billion answers and you don't know what's right or wrong. Just because the internet says it doesn't make it so. Wisdom, discernment, and humility are all close companions. You won't find one without the other. They're all separate and distinct, but they all go together. So tonight, as we go through verses 13 through 35, which ESV titles, Blessed is the One Who Finds Wisdom. um, When we covered the first part of Proverbs 3, it had to do with walk with God and what that looked like. And now we're going to talk about wisdom and the differences between God's wisdom and human wisdom. There are three main areas that we're going to go through tonight. If you look 13 through 20, the scripture deals with blessed are those who find wisdom and why they're blessed. So it breaks into these these areas, 13 through 20 is blessed are those who find wisdom and why they're blessed. 21 through 26, we're told once we find wisdom, not to lose sight of it once we find it. It's not enough just to glimpse true wisdom. You have to cling to it. And then in verses 27 through 35, the application of that wisdom in our lives, and what it looks like. All right, part one. Blessed are those who find wisdom and why. If we look at verses 13 through 20, we see the fruits and the result of wisdom in our lives. Notice verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and the profit better and gold, 13 and 14. Notice in verse 13 that wisdom and understanding are separated. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. They're separated and distinct. So, with that said, I'm now going to read all the verses because it seems better to do it late than never. Let me go through these verses real quick. So I'll start again on 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and, they'll, and they will be life for, uh, for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on, your, walk on your way securely, and your foot will not tremble, stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor, who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, and the fools get disgrace. And that is the verses. So we're back in the part one. See, I did it out of order, if that's confusing anybody. I was supposed to read first, didn't do it. So we're back into part one, 13 through 20 we notice that there's a distinction in 13 between wisdom and understanding, that Scripture separates them. So we don't get them confused. They're not one thing. Which leads to the next question, the obvious question. What is wisdom? What are we talking about? It's true that the word wisdom can and often does apply to the human's wisdom and reasoning. Our ability as human beings to reason and use logic. But that always falls short of God's wisdom. When we're searching for true wisdom, we want to search for the wisdom that doesn't change. That's always true. Um, our, Our wisdom, what we call wisdom, is seated; Its foundation is arrogance. No matter how hard we try, it's our own prideful views that are the foundation for human reasoning and wisdom. And I submit this to you. Um, the Lord says in Isaiah 10.13, this is what the Lord says about his wisdom in Isaiah 10.13. By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom for I have understanding, end quote. Now for comparison, this is what the Lord says about humans' reasoning and and wisdom. Then he says about human wisdom in Isaiah 47.10. You felt secure in your wickedness? You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am. And there is no one beside me. End quote. Now take note that... You said in your heart, I am. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think the Tower of Babel is a coincidence. It's all related. The question then, how then will I find God's perfect wisdom that it can replace my arrogant, flawed, sinful, human, rebellious wisdom? How might I find it? Simple answer his word we are saved by Christ through faith that is a most marvelous and beautiful thing but if we don't know god how then are we to know his wisdom general revelation what we generally would refer to as mother nature science it will tell you about god's existence And you can get a few ideas about his attributes from it, but it's very limiting. Special revelation, the way in which God has chosen to talk to us, is through special revelation. In 2024, we're talking scripture. We don't have any other source of special revelation today. So if you want to know who God is, you will need to turn to scripture. There is no other source on planet Earth right now. If you want to know about his wisdom, the wisdom that's truly worth searching, that's where you'll find it. All right. Now we're going to transition into the second part. Verses 21 through 26. Here... We're told not to lose sight of his wisdom once we've gained it. Hmm. Easier said than done, I think. Notice that in verse 21, it says, Do not lose sight of these. And and I quote, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Lose sight of these is referring to the first 20 verses, everything that we had covered up to this point. Do not lose sight of these. And if you would like to summarize these, you can just call it sound godly wisdom. Then we look down in verse 26. For the Lord. Given the reason why. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Solomon told his son here the importance of constant attention to God's wisdom and discretion. This requires not only a life diligence, meaning We have, like we talked on Wednesday night, walking with God is a lifetime, daily thing. So here, wisdom, which is how we walk with God, must be part of your daily life, and not compartmentalized, but throughout the course of your day. Um, It requires constant wisdom, uh, attention, for there to be any significant benefit from it. And then we look and in verse twenty two and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Adornment for your neck. What that's speaking of it will be visible to others. You will wear this cloak, this this jewelry you will wear in plain view so that your life reflects this wisdom. So that others in your life that you interact with will see God through you. I believe that uh, we will be the light, the salt. That's what it's referring to. So the more you embrace wisdom, the more you live your life in this godly wisdom, the more visible to others it's going to be. In verses 23 to 26, uh, we're assured of the safety that's inherent in walking with God. We're given assurance. The safety net that will protect us from true lasting harm. Let me read 23 through 26 to you. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. In verse 26, we're told that the Lord will be our confidence. Notice the benefit there of resting our confidence on him and not on our own understanding not on our own wisdom or our own righteousness. I don't know about you, but I get great comfort from knowing that, that it doesn't rest on me. If my assurance was resting on me, how much less would it be? How much more fickle, apt to change? Now we look at the third part of this. where We get into the transition, the application of this wisdom. We're being given godly wisdom, and now we're going to apply it. We're given several examples. Let me read 27 through 35 real quick. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is your, within your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor, who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason, when he has done to you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. And so on. We are told how to apply it. Notice the striking resemblance between this and the Ten Commandments. We're told how to have a relationship with God, a healthy relationship with God, and then we're told how to have a healthy relationship with man. It's no coincidence that it parallels the Ten Commandments. Most of you know Ten Commandments. The first four deal with our relationship to the Father and Christ and the Spirit. And the last six deal with our relationship to our fellow man. And then having said that, then you always follow it up with the last six also deal with our relationship to God because how we treat our fellow man has to do with how much we love God. So it really comes down to our relationship with God ultimately. Alright, Solomon has given us some practical examples of the lessons that wisdom teaches. He began with a simple principle that we should do good when it is in our power to do so. Notice also that we are to do it promptly and without hesitation. we're told back in 20 verse 27 do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do so and then in 28 do not say to your neighbor go and come again tomorrow i will i will give it when you have it with you the implication is that we're going to do it in a timely manner we're to give without hesitation it's a hard issue it is not a legalistic thing about you have six hours to give something that's due, or three hours. It's a heart issue. The longer we hesitate in our giving to our fellow man, the more it speaks of our heart and the selfish nature in it. The more we love our fellow man, the quicker we will respond to that need. Does that make sense? It, it's a way in which we can check ourselves if there is somebody in need that we're aware of and we have the ability to help them, we should not hesitate. You should give willingly as quickly as you can. Verses 29 through 31. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. We must become aware of the issues that are involved in getting involved with sinful disputes. We're to be above it. We're not to hold grudges. We're not to hold anything above somebody else. We're to give freely and willingly. And that includes giving of our time, and our patience, as hard as that sounds. We must become aware that being involved in quarrels is the opposite of what we should be doing, which is pursuing peace. If we're divisive, if we cause disunity, and now you can introduce all the other things that the church has struggled with in the last 2,000 years. We'll start with gossip, and we can just go from there. That is not what we are to do. We are to bring together. We're to unify in the church. And we're to love without being quarrelsome. We're to do it peacefully. Then you say, well, where can we turn to get some more guidance on this issue? I say the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says on the subject. In Romans 12... 14 through 21. I will read it to you. Romans 12:14 through 21. Blessed, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice and those who rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one, For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. End quote. So, Proverbs 3 is telling us not to be violent, it's telling us to give, it's telling us not to be quarrelsome, it's telling us to give. It's a hard issue. Now we're going to look at verse 35 the very end of this thing. The wise will inherit honor, but the fools get disgrace. Whatever exaltion, whatever peak or benefits that the wicked seem to have here on the planet earth is temporary. It's not lasting. Their legacy will actually be that of shame. But God has a different destiny for those that are in Christ. If you're in Christ, your humility and your love for your fellow man will show. Wisdom and discernment and humility, as I mentioned in the beginning, they go hand in hand. We can't separate them, but they're still distinct. but you won't find one without the other two present. And these verses are a call to us. They're a call to the things of God, to focus on the things of God, and not to rely on our own wisdom. They're a call for us to hold tight to him, to his wisdom, with constant, deliberate dependence on him. If we live our lives any other way, we are not walking with God. We're just simply in a relationship with him. And lastly, to live a life consistent with that so that we may shine to the world with his light. So that when they see us, it is not my righteousness that they see, but but Christ's. And that's what I got. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Lord, Father in heaven, thank you for this time that you have given us. Thank you for the blessings of your word. Thank you for the blessings of family. I pray that you'll watch over us tonight and that you will watch over our pastor on his travels, Lord, and care for him and that you would watch over his family as well. I thank you for that. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. Amen.